to the Contracting Officer Podcast. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Our goal, to make government contracting better, one contract at a time. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition Solutions. Skyway helps companies of all sizes know more, do more, and win more in the government market. To learn more, visit skywayacquisition.com today. Okay, let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today, we're going to talk about certified cost and pricing data. We are. The key word here is certified. Uh, Lots of things can be called cost and pricing data, but the certification has a special meaning, and we're going to go through that today. So what are we talking about time-wise here? We, We usually talk about the acquisition time zones. This is not a competitive acquisition kind of thing. What we're talking about here generally happens during sole source negotiations for new contracts and for changes to contracts, engineering change proposals, ECPs. So what are we talking about here? The problem, we don't have competition. So how, as the government, do we know that we're getting a fair and reasonable price? The solution, sort of, is certified cost and pricing data. So certified cost and pricing data, this is the promise that industry makes to the government that they're telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth regarding the costs that make up their proposal or that that are being negotiated. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And the threshold for obtaining this certification is $750,000. So this is not for small contracts. And we'll get into the reasons why there's a threshold (laughs) in a minute. So moving along to FAR time, what is this Yay. certificate of current cost and pricing data? This is FAR 15406-1, and it specifies what a certificate of cur- current cost and pricing data must say. And I'm going to paraphrase, but it says, I certify that to the best of my knowledge and belief, the cost and pricing data submitted in this proposal here are current, accurate, and complete. As of X date. Yeah, good point. So the date refers to the current part, right? But the basic idea is, is it current, meaning as of today? Is it accurate, meaning did you double check it, you swear to it? And is it complete? Does it include all of the costs that are rolled up into this overall price? Those three things, while they're three small words, can create a lot of work for people. Yeah, and let me me talk a second about why current matters. So current is as of – it's usually as of the date that negotiations were finalized. And the reason that's important is in a very large sole source negotiation where certified cost and pricing data is required, the negotiation could go on for months. So if a proposal is sub- prepared and submitted and then four months later you finally agree to here's our final price, lots can change in that much time. And the current piece means some of the quotes, if you have lots of materials or subcontractor pricing, some of that could have changed in four months. You, maybe you can get those parts for a lower price, or maybe the price has gone up. Or if you're a large contractor, maybe your rate structure has changed in the interim. And so you were negotiating based on one set of assumptions. Those assumptions are wrong. So the current piece means that before you can certify that this is current and accurate and complete, you as the contractor have to go back and re-verify all those assumptions, indirect rates, subcontractor pricing, material quotes. You have to verify that those are all new. So 
that lots of times it's called a, a sweep. And that sweep may it may mean you could have a thousand material quotes that you have to go back and re-verify that they're all still current and that they didn't expire and that you can still buy those things for those prices. And even on a relatively small contract, say a million dollar contract where this still would apply, you're still swearing that based on what you knew as of this date, it's all correct. And that's a it's a tall order and we'll we'll get into the ramifications of it. So now that we've talked about what a certificate of current cost and pricing data is, when do you need one and when do you not need one? So FAR 15403-1 gives you prohibitions on getting this certificate. First, it says if you're at or below the simplified acquisition threshold, which is like $150,000, then you don't get certified cost and pricing data. Why do they have to say that since you just said $750,000 is the threshold for requiring certified cost and pricing data. They have to say that because, of course, there's exceptions where you can request certified cost and pricing data below that 750 k threshold. And for those who don't know what simplified acquisition procedures are, we talked about that in podcast number 51. When else are you prohibited from obtaining certified cost and pricing data if you're the government? If there's adequate price competition, you don't need certified cost and pricing data, and the FAR actually says you don't get it. So if you have two or more responsible offerers, or if you only got one offer, but that offer thought that there were other offers so that they believe that they're in competition, then you don't need certified cost and pricing data. The price competition itself validates that you're getting a fair and reasonable price. Yeah, it's, it's a simple concept that if, if you don't have competition – then this might apply. But if you do have competition, this does not apply. <laughs> right. And even if you don't have competition, the FAR also gives you an out that if, if you as the government can do price analysis that clearly demonstrates that you have, you're getting a fair and reasonable price, so you're comparing it to current or, or recent prices for similar stuff, if you can demonstrate that you have a fair and reasonable price without it, then you shouldn't get it. And I don't, I don't, think that that exception is used enough i think i think lots of times people default to asking for certified cost and pricing data when they can probably demonstrate that it's a fair and reasonable price without it and this is a lot of the thinking job this is a thinking job right this is the thinking part of government contracting and if you can look at for example if something was certified at the last contract and the price hasn't changed and the market conditions haven't changed and the material costs haven't changed you may not need it um, if it's if it's something that is dangerously close to commercial, but not quite, and you can make the case that okay, this this could be used by other agencies, and because other agencies have used this service or this product, and they've played this price for it, it's. Re- I mean, there's lots of different ways that you could. I don't want to say spin, but you could evaluate this to make the case that it, I'm comfortable with the price, because certifying it is, it's a it, you're gonna. You're going to add more work and more and more effort. And plus, the, the other part about this is that the time it takes you to think through it. And by the way, this is both sides. Industry should be making the case for here's all the evidence I have to show that this is not something we need to certify to. They can do that too. This is because this is a sole source negotiation, right? Or sitting across the table from each other trying to figure out this problem. So it's not like the contracting officer has to go in a corner and dissect some part of the FAR to be able to make this case. Oh, I wish we were sitting across the table from each other in sole source negotiations. It seems like now it's all just email. It's email. Just okay. Tossing numbers back Skype. and forth instead of sitting down and trying to actually work out a deal. Anyway, you should use Skype. That's that's an old guy ramble right there. 
grumpy old man. So where else doesn't it apply? So if you're buying commercial items, no certified cost and pricing data. Which, why? Because commercial items are, by definition, priced to be a competition. Because if it's commercial, yeah. it's open to the, the overall market. The price is established by market, the market, not by the government or by the contractor even. Okay, so FAR also gives you a waiver to all this that the head of the contracting activity can waive the requirement for submission of certified cost and pricing data if if there's good reasons why, and I won't get into all those good reasons, but you should know that it, it can be waived if it if it has to be. But wait, there's more. There is. There's one more paragraph, 403-15403-2, that says if, if you're exercising an option that was established previously, you don't need to recertify. You just exercise the option. And if you're getting a proposal solely for overrun or interim billing price adjustments, then you don't need certified cost and pricing data for that. So lots of examples of when it does not apply. There's a a theme here. Yeah. So when does it apply? 15403-4, requiring certified cost and pricing data. So here's where it says, the CO shall obtain certified cost and pricing data only if none of the exceptions apply. But remember, if the CO has data that lets them determine a fair and reasonable price, then they can ask for a waiver to getting it, even if there is no exception that applies. And, and this part of the FAR actually says, then the CO should consider requesting a waiver. They want you to not get certified cost and pricing data unless you really need it. If you haven't gotten that theme, you know we're, we're going to kind of keep beating you over the head with it. Right, because again, the, the head of the contracting activity can authorize a CO to, to, to obtain certified cost and pricing data below that threshold if they need to. I just, I don't know why they would ever need to. Or, or want to. I mean, think about it. If, if uh, the cost of the contract is below 750000 let's say they're off by a factor of, I don't know, 10%. We're talking about seventy five grand. But just think in terms of you know, how big the contract is. If it's less than seven hundred fifty thousand, what is your risk really? Yeah, and if so, it's a, if it's a cost type contract, you're, the government's only going to pay the actual cost incurred anyway. So yeah, there's a good actually, point. you're only talking about ten percent of the seventy five thousand. Yeah, right? if, if there's ten <laughs> yeah, exactly. percent, you're only talking about the additional fee that a contractor would earn on the the costs that were off because the costs aren't going to be billed if they aren't incurred. So. Yeah. And the and the really big point to drop here is that if it's really based on the fact that you guys don't trust each other, that's a different issue. And we'll talk about that in a different podcast. But this is not the this is not the form that solves trust. <laughs> you know, this this creates other issues. So Okay. So the last piece of this FAR section, when this cert is required, contractor has to submit certify all the all the pricing data. And whatever else the CO needs to determine a fair and reasonable price, and the certificate that I sort of read before, in that's in FAR fifteen four hundred six dash two, that thing that says I promise this is current, accurate, and complete. Two more things to think about before we move on from the FAR, and there's there's one for each side here. So the this the cert that you're submitting, if you're the contractor, it. It doesn't apply to your estimates of future costs or your projections. It only applies to the data in your proposal that that you use to build your price. And and it actually says 
This distinction between fact and judgment should be clearly understood. So what I'm talking about here is if you have a quote to buy a part, to buy you know the infamous widget today, and it's going to cost you $5 for that, you have a quote that says you can buy this for $5. You provide that to the government. You certify that that's a current quote. If you're then estimating that three years down the road you can buy – a widget for $6, you don't certify to that $6 price because that is a projection of what they're going to cost. And everyone has to agree that that's a fair projection, but it's not certified. If it turns out that you can't buy them for $6, that they cost $5 in, you know, in the future or $7 in the future, that's not something that makes your cert wrong. Also, remember that the cert says, to the best of my knowledge and belief, the FAR specifies here that saying that I didn't know is, is no justification for giving a defective certification. You have to do your due diligence to make sure that the best of your knowledge and belief is all of the knowledge and belief that you actually should have had. You can't just ignore the fact that maybe the quotes were expired or inaccurate, but you didn't check, and you can't say, well... I didn't know they were inaccurate. No, you're supposed to look at them to make sure that they're accurate. Yeah, that's that's the accurate part. And yeah, it's a, it basically it's a big push to say you can't just ignore things that your job says you should have checked. That that sounds kind of mean, but it's pretty blatant. Well, here's the good news: it goes both ways. Because on the government side, it says, and I'm, I'm going to read the FAR, which I don't normally do, but this is a good one. Possession of a certificate of current cost or pricing data is not a substitute for examining and analyzing the contractor's proposal. In other words, you can't say, oh, well, I got the cert. It must be good. Yep. This is a thinking job. So bo- this, it's really interesting that this uh, paragraph out of the FAR calls out both sides and says, government – you need to actually look at their proposal. Yeah, it's not Contractor. cert in lieu of price analysis. <laughs> exactly. And, this, and the reason I mention this is that it goes back to that, that trust conversation we had a, a couple seconds ago or a couple minutes ago. This idea of this is not a substitute for a lack of trust. Yep. You can't just lay this cert over top of it and go, oh, yeah, it's all good because it's just a Band-Aid for a bigger problem. So make sure that you understand what you're supposed to be doing in the first place. Moving on to the most important thing to understand, why is this certification a powerful thing? Here are the consequences. The consequences, nice. 15407-1. So if after award, Mr. Contractor, your certified cost and pricing data are found to be inaccurate, incomplete, or not current, the government gets a price adjustment, including the profit or fee that was calculated against those costs, the government gets the price adjustment of any significant amount by which the price was increased because of the defective data. So they call this defective cost and pricing data or defective certification. So basically, if your cert's wrong, since you promised that it was right, you're giving the government back the difference. Plus interest. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's the next piece. The government's entitled to the recovery of interest. If they overpaid you, and this defective certification issue wasn't found for a couple of years, you can actually owe interest on any money that the government paid you on those costs that you had, that where, you, where you kept the money in the meantime. And this is also one of the few areas that we found in the FAR where it specifies that the contracting officer needs to consult legal counsel. 
So this paragraph says, before you do this, you shall obtain advice of counsel. Yeah, and the FAR so lays out how you calculate penalties on o- overpayments. Yeah, and, and so which which clauses make this kick in in the contract? Yeah, yeah so it, again, there's two separate clauses that usually show up in these cost-type contracts where a cert is, is applicable. Uh, 52.215-10 and 11 are they're, they're called price reduction for defective certified cost or pricing data. First one is for the, the basic proposal, and the second clause, dash 11, is re- regarding modifications, but basically the same clause. So to, to, to clarify one thing you just said is that they, they don't have to be a cost-type contract. Right. It just has to be a sole source contract. So just, just for, for make, make sure we clarify that it, it's, it can be cost, but it can also you can do a firm fixed price contract. That has certified cost and pricing yeah. data. That's I would argue it's even more important to get a certification on a firm fixed price contract because there's no there's no go back uh, because you're you're billing the firm fixed price instead of the actual costs incurred. Correct. That's that's the reason that I oftentimes would use this on firm fixed price yeah. because an eight million dollar sole source contract, which I did, I want you to certify to that. I want you I want you to know that you're signing up for yes, this is what the, was actually going to cost us. So I want to circle back one more thing before we move on. I think I've said that three times already. One more <laughs> thing. This this price adjustment, it says uh, government is titled to a price adjustment for, of any significant amount by which the price was increased because of defective data. Government side, use that word significant to your advantage. If this is an insignificant change, you're talking about a lot of time, energy, and money to recover the, this this money from a contractor, if it's not a significant amount, if it's not going to be be more than the cost of obtaining it, just move on. I'll give you an example. I've used this a few times um, and gotten money back. And so it, the amount of effort to get that done, think about it, you're a contractor and you're saying, oh, I'm going to pay you six digits. I want to talk to my lawyer first. You see, what I, it, it, think of the tone you're setting. So if it's not six digits, it's if it's like four digits or five digits, is, <laughs> is it really worth this? It, it may not you're, be. You're, right, it just, all depends on the circumstances, size of the contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why is this certification thing important? Once I heard, it's a really great way to catch the contractor. Really? That's a crappy reason. That goes back to that. This is all about solving a trust problem. That's not a, a reason to do it. However, yeah, if you think they're going to lie to you just because they don't have to certify, that that's bad. Yeah, that's a different issue. Uh, this is part of the process. It can drag on. I mean, government folks. I mean, to, to understand that it can add a lot of time. Not not just pre award, but then you got to you got to monitor this stuff with with this. Well, I guess what, like the specter of of the, this this giant stick hanging over the contract the whole time. That if they miss one little thing, you know, two years ago when they certified this, bam, I get to smack them. It, it's just not healthy contract management. So make sure you don't use it unless you have to. And, and it's a great example of the FAR doesn't want you to do this unless it's really needed. So we talk through all these examples of when it doesn't apply. And there are a lot of them. And there are a few examples where it does apply. So this, like, like we talked about with uh, unauthorized commitments and ratifications, which is another, another podcast, the government doesn't want this to happen unless it has to. So let's go out of our way to not make it happen and that's the part that, that's important is that for people to understand that before you just think, oh, this applies, listen to this podcast again. <laughs> you might find out that it yeah. doesn't. I, I think the FAR gives the COs every out they need. It, it pretty much says if you can come, if you can justify that it's a fair and reasonable price by any way other than certified cost and pricing data, you should. 
So I'll jump into why this is important, just sort of from the other perspective. This kind of promise that our cost data is current, accurate, and complete doesn't exist in the commercial world. Number one, because you're probably not giving them cost data if you're negotiating in the commercial world. And number two, it's it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's, it's due diligence, buyer beware. It's up to you to to justify that, it's a fair, that you're getting a p- fair price to, your, to yourself. So the, the other side doesn't always promise this is – this is the best price you can ever get. And, and trust in the commercial market is a competitive advantage, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. So the government, they can increase cost and schedule for programs by insisting on certified cost and pricing data when it's not required. The, the example I'll give, remember I talked about a sweep. If, if four months after the proposal submission, the contractor has to go back and verify all that, that data, it could take a couple weeks even to, to – to do that sweep back through all the quotes and make sure everything's right. And they basically have to update their whole proposal based on that data and give you a new proposal that you have to then look at. It, it can take lots of time and energy. Remember that. The last piece of it, contractors, understand that when you certify, you're, you're kind of signing up to a contingent liability if you had wrong data in there. If your certification was defective, that's a liability where you're going to owe the government. Yeah, that's that specter of... The, the big stick hanging over you for the rest of the contract. So circling back again, specifically, why should the government care about certified costs and pricing data? Uh, this is open kimono pricing. I mean, you're basically showing, okay, this this is how you can understand and validate what my costs really are. Without any competition or context, It's it could be your only option. Um, and we talked about there are lots of other ways to get there, but you may get to the point where this is the only one you have. And in that case where you don't have any other options, it's required. Although, you know, reluctantly, we kind of have gone through here. So understand what it is, because when it's required, you got to understand what you're signing up for. Right. So I'll use the Spider-Man quote, that with great power comes great responsibility, meaning that you have the power as a contracting officer to levy this requirement on somebody, but understand that it comes with responsibility on both sides. Uh, the effect of rolling up all these costs and making sure that they, they're certified, there's a cost to that. There's somebody who has to run all those numbers and, and then there's a stress. time and money, yep. This may be a foreign concept to new companies, new to the government, or to small businesses who have not had big enough contracts, or for that matter, haven't had sole source contracts. Right. This this is different. Uh, don't take it lightly because they don't. If you, again, you read that certification, and and I I, I kind of tell the story of the first time I sent that cert. I was I don't know like three years in. I send this certification to this small business, expecting it to come back the next day. He emails me. He's like, wait a minute. I, I got to think through this because he's never signed it before. What do you and mean, you, current, I, accurate, yeah. and complete? It's kind of what happens when you really read the FAR. Sometimes it's shocking. And this is one of those moments where you look at it and go, wow, I got, I'm basically swearing before God that I didn't screw anything up in my pricing. That's, that's a stretch. So perfect segue into why industry should care. Don't get caught flat-footed here when you have to certify. You should understand that you're going to have to do this in many sole source situations. And how do, how do you know that it's current, accurate, and complete? You have to have some type of accounting system rigor. You don't have to have an approved accounting system that's been reviewed by the government and blessed, but you have to be able to prove that your accounting system can track costs and that you have some type of procurement process that that got current quotes and all those other things. So don't be surprised if you're asked to certify. And don't get caught certifying inaccurate stuff. Uh, the, the example would be, I, I mentioned that I had a couple of these happen. Well, one of them is like $45,000 transaction. 
It shows up at my desk and it was defective pricing. It was a fee effectively that the contractor had to pay back. And we use it to buy more stuff on a, on a contract because it was inside the, the fund. There's a funding store behind that. But the fact is, can you imagine the, the program manager, contract manager, whoever it was, the, the pricer that screwed that up and had to go to their boss and say, yeah, we just got a $45,000 bill from the government we got to pay. Yeah, that's no fun. That's not a fun day. <laughs> so just remember, industry, if you're working sole source contracts or you have a contract in place that you're negotiating changes to, the certification thing can be a big deal. It's a cost of doing business and you should be ready for it. And, and sole source contracts can be a, a great carrot. I mean, a lot of people like getting them and they're, they can be a great boon for a business, but understand that this, this is the stick that may come with them. So sometimes that's a surprise to people and now it won't be. All right, let's wrap it up. In conclusion here, government side, don't take this lightly. Uh, while it's just a cert, it's just a, another piece of paper that goes in the contract. It has a lot of weight and potentially a lot of cost. Yeah, to the industry it. side, it's not just a cert. It's not just a piece right. of paper. It, and, and I'm not trying to make it sound like the contracting folks on the government side don't realize that. But I mean, honestly, the first time I saw the form, I thought, nah. oh, they just signed this thing, right? Until, no, again, I, I really understood the impact of it. I, I think a lot of government people do just look at it. it. It's one more piece of paper in the contract file. And and the the hassle, I'll say it that way, that this thing can create is yet another reason that I personally love to compete contracts as a contracting officer. So anyway, just put that little <laughs> plug in there. Because to avoid stuff like this is why I competed a lot of stuff. Because yep. I, I almost always find somebody that can do the work uh, for more than one company. And you skip so much of this. But that's just my preference. <laughs> <laughs> so industry side, remember... Be ready that you have to stand by your pricing. You have to you have to be able to have the rigor in your pricing buildup that you can certify that it's current, accurate, and complete. Don't rush through this because remember, if you screw this up, it's a liability that you have to pay back later, and that is no fun. And we like to keep things fun on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Remember, if you like the CO podcast, please tell a friend. If you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. That's a great place to remind people that you might have learned something today. I know I did. (laughs) This is a good one, Paul. Remember, many of our topics are suggested by listeners. Got a lot of emails over the last couple of weeks about things we should talk about. If you have a good topic that you'd like to hear more about, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. All right. Talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.